Welcome to the Career Confidence for Immigrants podcast. My name is Sonia Ortiz and I'm your host. If you're a newcomer to a country, this is not the show for you. But if you've been stable in a country for a while and you feel stuck with indecision, self-doubt and confusion about your career and you want to start feeling better in your day-to-day work life, then this is the show for you. Let's get started. Hello, hello, my friends. So today I'm super excited to be doing a guest episode. While I love sharing mindset tools and my personal stories on my own career and business shifts, I totally, totally love hearing other people's stories about how they overcame their own brains, their social conditioning, and how they found their unique career and life paths. So make sure that you listen and that you encourage my fellow content creators and experts who are also amazing immigrants like you and I. Enjoy. Okay, so we are recording now and we just finished talking about how we were both kind of nervous, which is <laughs> totally beautiful. I am so, so glad that you actually brought it up first, uh, Elisa, because um, it's the kind of things that, I don't know, it's it's almost like when you talk, when you ask someone, hey, how are you doing today? Like most people are going to be like, I'm fine. But like inside they're like, oh my God, all these thoughts. So I'm really right. grateful that you were actually like super real and honest today because mm-hmm. I was having similar feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for opening the door. Of course. So Alyssa and I are talking for the first time. She is a restorative coach based in Los Angeles. And we uh, found each other on Instagram. So we're going to be having uh, an amazing conversation on coaching, healing, the immigrant experience. And we'll see what, what else comes out. So... Yeah, just introduce yourself and tell us what you do, please. Sure. So my name is Alyssa Santos. Um, I, you know, in the spirit of this podcast, um, can share a little bit about my identity. I am a daughter of two first-generation Mexican-Americans. So my family has roots in Mexico, and um, I... You know, that's sort of like my cultural background and um, me and my two, I have two other sisters and we are both, the the three of us are all um, first generation college, either students or graduates. Um, My youngest sister is actually graduating college this year, which is exciting and sad because of all the pandemic stuff. But, you know, (laughs) Um, so we definitely, the three of us have that shared experience of like, being the first in our families to kind of navigate uh, higher education and navigating careers um, post-graduating college. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I have an educational background in sociology and also a master's in behavioral health. Um, And I, you know, I've had, I think professionally, I've had a lot of experience working with different um, communities, especially uh, communities of color and Uh, people with marginalized identities. Um, And I have only recently started my own coaching practice. Um, I started my business in August of 2020. So it hasn't even been a full year yet, um, but I'm excited and I've I've learned a lot already. And um, and yeah, so I, I have titled myself as a restorative coach and 
Um, there's sort of a, a background behind that. When I was first kind of visioning what I wanted my coaching practice um, to look like, um, I was really interested in sort of exploring like a decolonized um, leadership practice. And, uh, you know, as I was reflecting on my own experiences and my own life and um, I've noticed there's this sort of dominant uh, idea of leadership in Western cultures of like, you have to be really loud, you have to be really like assertive or aggressive. Um, and you kind of have to have a certain presence um, to be considered a leader, you have to know all the answers. Um, and for me, I, you know, only recently have discovered in myself that I, I do consider myself a leader. Um, even though I am, I'm really petite. <laughs> um, I have a soft voice. I'm pretty, I'm relatively quiet and, um, you know, I look, I'm a Brown woman and all of that. I'm young. Um, but I have certain qualities that I think have allowed me to, um, heal myself and, you know, have an impact on my family and my communities. And, um, yeah, just really powerful ways of, uh, of leading. Um, one of my leadership strengths is uh, curiosity, mm -hmm. which I didn't initially see as like a strength or, you know, I didn't see that as like something that was valued in like higher positions of um, wanting to learn more, wanting to understand um, other people's ideas and beliefs and um, just, you know, it's acknowledging the fact that I don't know everything and that's a good thing. And um, there's a lot more we can accomplish uh, from learning from each other and listening more than we speak. So um, so that's kind of where my, my vision was at when I first started my practice. And I've kind of expanded it to be a little more um, encompassing because I've, I've learned that leadership, you know, how you lead your life was really a lifestyle. It wasn't just like a you know, a workplace thing or um, things like that. So I kind of wanted to recenter this restorative um, piece of like, uh, not just who we are in certain spaces, but like as a person feeling um, like you can lead your life with your wisdom and your power and your courage. Um, and so that's kind of where I've, I've arrived at today is uh, helping folks kind of um, rediscover the parts of themselves that have maybe been buried by, um, you know, so social and systemic um, teachings and messaging and beliefs, but really reevaluating, like, who am I at my core? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that was kind of a lot, but. <laughs> yeah, no, but that was great. I actually took mm -hmm. notes because I think you, you touch on so many interesting points. And I mean, I don't know if this is something that's, um, I mean, for sure, it's not going to be universal to all immigrants, but mm -hmm. I've seen a trend that um, I, I very much agree with what you're saying about we have this idea that leadership and, and confidence needs to look a certain way. And most mm -hmm. of the, the norms and the, the, the parameters come from a very, you know, the patriarchal and white supremacist society and exactly and to and to actually almost like start teaching our brains that there's actually like another way of doing it it's like mm -hmm. fascinating and I I love how you how you actually put the the 
you know, you label it as, you know, leadership in a way that's like decolonized. So uh, maybe for people who don't quite, yeah, that would be a nice thing. Maybe for people who are like still new to this whole like decolonizing your mind work, like mm -hmm. what would you say is the difference between between the two, let's say like the mainstream version <laughs> and the decolonized version? Yeah, so I think, you mean in terms of um, like leadership or? Yeah. Yeah, so I think, I think it can look a lot of different ways, um, especially because I think different uh, communities and different cultures um, have different things to, different things that they value um, and different things that they can bring to the table. But um, I know, one of the, something that I really value, especially lately, and something that I've been really incorporating in my life and in my coaching practices is this idea of um, dreaming and visioning. And I think that's something that I don't see in sort of this mainstream idea of like leadership and like this co like colonized version of leadership mm -hmm. is um, this desire to actually vision something better. Um, I think about how many uh, of our systems that we operate under um, and our styles of leadership are just, you know, have been the same for so long mm -hmm. and continue to produce the same uh, types of harm and continue to produce the same types of oppression, even if they look a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And I am like, what if we, like, what if we step back and like actually vision something better and actually made that possible. Um, I just see like sort of this lack of imagination in like our, you know, uh, in our like um, mainstream leaders, you know, like in our governments and stuff, um, which I think is, you know, depending on where you live, um, there's definitely folks uh, in public service who are kind of shifting that. Um, but yeah, I think being able to evaluate like just because things are how they've been doesn't mean they have to stay that way. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's kind of one example is sort of like leaning into imagination and dreaming and um, joy and community, you know, um, stepping away from this value of like power and money and um, control, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, oh my God, that is that is really, really interesting because something that came up to my mind when you were saying that is that how, I mean, as someone who, who studied, I studied political science and mm -hmm. it's funny because I would say it took me a few years to, how can I say it? Like when it's so easy in this, you know, white supremacist, uh, patriarchal society full of you know, things that need to be very much improved to get mm -hmm. very discouraged. And I think it looks like the cynicism where you're like, I, I mean, for many years, I was kind of like, oh, it's like, I just did a, a, a BA in political science, like what for kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it's like, I went through like a couple of years where I was kind of like feeling cynical and being like, oh, you know, whatever. But then it's like, It's funny because I associate the my own, like, let's say, reclaiming of like, oh, no, actually, that was a very useful thing that I studied there. To get to that mindset, I almost had to go through my emotional healing journey for me to see the connection and to be right. like, oh, you know, it's like the cynicism. It's not helping 
anyone. It's not helping myself. Mm-hmm. It's not going to help mm-hmm. society. And um, and yeah, it's and it's almost like I, I very much agree with you with the with the fact that a lot of the the kind of the flaws with the system is that okay, things have always been kind of a certain way, and I feel a lot of people feel like there's no point in even trying because mm-hmm. it's, it's going to stay the same. But it takes it's it takes like courage to like believe something new and to dream and totally. to ambition, like you said. Totally. Yeah. And there's definitely a lot of fear there, I think, for most people and even people in positions of power. I think so much of this inability to change or to make big systemic changes comes from like just fear. Um, you know, I think people something that I work with clients on and have worked with myself on um, is thinking about how we view risk. Um, Cause usually we see like you're risking something like you're gonna, you know, you could risk um, losing something or you can risk something not working out or whatever. Um, but people don't always think about what you're risking if you don't. <laughs> um, and right now the risk is like, if we don't change things, like we're literally, killing people or we're destroying our planet. And even on a personal level, it's like you're by not changing, by not shifting, by not choosing to, um, to prioritize yourself, you're risking, you know, things like burnout or, um, your health, your mental health, your physical health. Um, and that's, that's huge. So, um, there's, there definitely is a risk in that, in that fear. Um, of inaction yeah yeah and I think it goes back to I mean I guess we can say it also goes back to the tendency for the mind and the human brain to want to stay comfortable and to want Mm -hmm. to you know not spend too much energy but yeah there's definitely a huge cost associated to to it both in terms of like society, but also like at a personal level. And you, you spoke of um, um, the burnout. And I think in, in, in the emails that we exchanged, you did Mm -hmm. tell me if I remember correctly, that you had like a personal experience with, with burnout. Do you want to share more about that? Sure. Yeah. I think I've experienced it a few times at this point. I'm only, you know, I'm turning 30 in April. Um, but yeah, I think it's been, I think like anyone's journey, you know, it's not always a linear, um, clear cut. Like I experienced burnout and then I came over it and then I was fine. Um, it's kind of come up and showed up in different ways. Um, I think for me throughout my life, and I'm sure a lot of folks um, first generation, second generation immigrants have the similar experience where, um, my parents really valued education for us because they wanted us to, um, go to college. And that was to them, that was what they saw as like the pathway to success was like an education and you go to college, you get a good job. Um, and so they really kind of centered that in, uh, in raising us and they've made a lot of sacrifices so that we could, um, attend certain schools and things like that. Um, and I think one of the sort of side effects of that was I became very, very perfectionist, (laughs) um, and very, you know, I, I felt a lot of pressure to achieve because I thought that that was where 
all of my value was, was, you know, especially where I grew up, um, uh, even though I live in a really diverse city, um, I went to a school where there weren't a lot of other um, Latinx people. Um, and so I felt like I had to really prove myself, you know, to kind of fit in with my peers. Like I wanted to have good grades and um, have lots of achievements. And that's how I was going to show that I was like, that was how I was going to prove my value to people. Um, and I think there's a lot of privilege in, in this experience, but there was also a lot of, um, harm. And so I would, I've, you know, I dealt with a lot of anxiety, um, and perfectionism and felt, you know, like I was a failure if I didn't get certain grades or if I didn't, um, you know, win certain achievements and whatnot. Um, and that experience was really exhausting and it carried through, you know, higher education when I was in college. Um, and it was just, yeah, it made failure really, really hard, um, when things didn't work out and, um, and it burned me out. And I think, you know, I, I, the first like real experience of that, I think when I find, when I officially felt like burnt out was in, um, you know, one of my, I think it was maybe my second job out of college and it was a really, um, high stress environment and, I was just like dedicating everything to work. And like my day was like, get ready, go to work, come home, eat dinner, go to bed, do it all over again. And just sort of this cycle where um, I really wanted to like be successful, but I didn't even have an idea of like what that meant to me. <laughs> I just knew like, you know, I've worked so hard to be in this job and like, um, I want to show that I am a good worker and that I am a team player and that I care and that I deserve to, you know, climb, sort of climb up the ranks and all of that. Um, and I only lasted in that job a year. And when I left, it just felt like everything kind of caught up to me. Um, I was really tired all the time. Um, I was kind of depressed. Like it was hard to get out of bed. Like I just felt exhausted, like mentally, physically, emotionally, I was exhausted. Um, this, during this, uh, time that I was sort of transitioning out of my job, I was also going to therapy for the first time and kind of like, unpacking some of these things. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, burnout just really felt like I was exhausted and that I didn't even really have a clear sense of, um, almost like who I was or what I cared about, you know, things that I really cared about, like my family and my partner and my friends, like I wasn't really making time for that. Um, things like joy, like I wasn't doing anything for myself to like sort of refill my cup. Um, and it was really hard. And, you know, I think I kind of recovered from it a little bit, but then I jumped right into grad school. And, um, you know, most recently I, uh, so before I started my coaching business, um, I was working in a job that I really loved. I was working as a coach for uh, first-generation college students. Um, so I was working one-on-one -on -one with folks who, you know, I experienced a lot of what they were experiencing. Um, and I loved it. I loved working with my students and um, it kind of was what inspired me to create a coaching practice. Mm -hmm. um, it, it could, because it allowed me to be that person for people that I wish I had when I was in college and kind of navigating some of those issues um, as first gen. Uh, but I think, again, like I, I was putting so much in because I loved my students and I cared about them and I wanted them to, I wanted to be a part of their, um, 
of their thriving. But at the same time, there were just things about, you know, I don't want to like badmouth my, my, my former employer, but um, there were things about the actual organization that were really stressful. And, um, you know, there were things that my students saw as like, um, you know, as success, right? Like this is what success looks like for me. And there were things that the organization saw as success and like what, you know, those outcomes that you need to meet and things like that. And so I was pouring so much of myself and trying to meet both of those things um, while not feeling super valued for all the work I was putting in um, necessarily by certain people in leadership and things like that. And so I actually had left that job without like, anything else in place. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'd never done that before where I just like, I was like, I, I just can't do it anymore. Like, again, mm-hmm. it was that thing of like, I can't wake up. Like it takes everything in me to like get to my car and drive to work in the morning. Like, um, I was taking more time off because I just couldn't do it. And, um, I was like, okay, I need to, I need to pause. And I actually, you know, I talked to my partner. I was really fortunate to have because, um, you know, he kind of supported both of us during this transition time. And, um, and yeah, I just, I really took like a year to just really, really like pause and step back and be like, what, like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, what am I doing with my life? Um, why does it seem to not be working? Like, why do I keep falling into these patterns of like mm-hmm. burnout and depression and, you know, um, you know, who, and where can I, where can I seek support to, um, to heal? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I actually, you know, again, I was in therapy and, um, I was also working with a coach as well, um, to kind of get insight into like what coaching can look like. And she was also uh, a woman of color and, um, kind of understood similar things working in like social services and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, long story short, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I've learned a lot about uh, sort of taking steps to prevent burnout. And I think that's part of where this uh, sort of restorative coaching comes from is like being able to prioritize your energy and your um, well-being so that you are able to, you know, do the things that you love so that you're able to impact people around you um, even just like healing yourself, like I've learned has a huge impact on people around you. Like, Mm -hmm. I think my healing has had a bigger impact on my siblings and my family than anything I've achieved. (laughs) You know, they're proud of me for finishing college and all that stuff. But I think seeing me as a happier person and like showing to my sisters, like what's possible when you, um, when you are able to kind of like re, uh, realign yourself, Mm -hmm. um, I think has a huge impact. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally, totally love that story and I can relate on, on many different levels, but um, <laughs> I, I I thought of like a quote that one of my, one of the a business coach that I follow online, uh, his name is George Cow, and he's all about kind of like slow marketing and quiet marketing kind of thing. And he, he said this quote, like, about the importance of resting before you need to. And I think, mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, for many of us, we kind of learn that lesson after we go through a season of, yep. of burnout where you're like, oh, okay. And I think so much of it has to do with, I think on one hand, like, there's definitely, I mean, we need to look at this from like an intersectional perspective, but like with the, with 
the fact that, you know, people who are socialized as women, I think we might have like a tendency to maybe, I don't know, there seems to be like an expectation that like you're going to serve others and show up for others mm -hmm. and support everybody. And it's funny because I still have the conversation sometimes with my husband, whenever I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed, you know, I like to talk it out and And I'm always like, it's funny because I tend to project and I'm like, but are you sure that you're not tired though? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's kind of mm -hmm. like, he's kind of like, uh, he, he, he's basically like, I kind of rest when I need to, for him, it's not like an issue. He's just going to do it. But I feel like, I, I don't know if it's like the immigrant aspect or the <laughs> socialization as, as, as women that we have like so much resistance to be like, But am I allowed to take, am I allowed to just like do nothing today? And oh, I allowed yeah. to just like sit on the couch <laughs> and like watch random YouTube videos of like mm -hmm. good songs I like? It's, I, it's, it's right because I, I love how you say so real. So, so yeah, that was like a very real thing that you said. The fact that the healing burnout and all that, it's not like, it's not like I'm over it bye it's like mm -hmm. from another lifetime it's like very much like a pattern that like tries to come back and then you see it coming and it's totally it's an ongoing work yes totally yeah and I mean I see it I mean it's interesting that you'd say it could be a, a way that women are socialized especially in um, certain cultures I know in Mexican culture there's can be you know the sort of machismo um attitude where like you know the women are the caretakers and things like that um and I think you know thinking back like my mom had you know we, her kids were everything it was like all about you know um raising her kids and making sure we had what we needed and all of that and um obviously I'm super super grateful and also it's like it's nice to see now that we're adults like she's enjoying herself, like doing things that she wouldn't have done um, when we were younger. And it's like, I wonder what the impact would have been if she was also taking care of herself. You know, she was a young mother. She had my older sister when she was 18. And, um, you know, I think like all of our parents, they do the best they can with what they have. And, um, you know, I'm happy that she is now in a place to uh, sort of like do things like travel for the first time and um, really enjoy things just for her. Um, because, you know, and that's something that if I have children in the future, um, that I would want to model to them too. Like, obviously I love y'all. I love, <laughs> I love my family, all those things. And also like, I can't care for people if I, um, if I'm not also like refilling my cup and caring for myself. Totally, totally. And it's like, it's almost like we have this fear of like taking care of ourselves, it's going to look like very selfish and so on. But it's like, when you really get deep into the work, you start seeing mm -hmm. how much, actually how much more like self-absorbed we are <laughs> when we're mm -hmm. like resenting, you know, other people around us or like doing things kind of like from this place of resistance and so on. So it's very counterintuitive. I totally see how people are afraid of of going oh, yeah. there because our brain just totally makes it look like dangerous territory to do that kind mm -hmm. of work. But mm -hmm. I think, um, like you said, it does have a nice, um, uh, like it has like positive externalities to have, like <laughs> to, to like 
show to be happier and other people benefit from that too right right so yeah no i i, I totally totally love this and how th like do you want to talk a little bit more about like let's say specific techniques like what are you what are some of your favorite techniques let's say for self-care for healing work like mm -hmm. what are you what do you practice or what are you into Yeah. So for me, I actually, um, you know, something that I really admire about your work um, and what I've learned from, you know, looking into your work and listening to your podcast um, is how you have multiple outlets, like multiple businesses, <laughs> and you're kind of like, you know, you have these different outlets. Um, and so something that I do, you know, I started as like a hobby Um, that has now become a second business is like floral work. So, um, you know, during my time of rest and healing, um, I just started going, you know, I was living in the Bay Area at the time and I would go to um, this like flower farm in Half Moon Bay and I would just buy a bunch of flowers and like arrange them and I would give them to friends and I would give them to, you know, I, I would make them for like friends' birthdays and stuff like that. And I just really loved it. I felt very... Um, It was sort of like a flow state. Like it was, I was just very, you know, working with my hands and I felt very like calm and relaxed. Um, and I love the creativity and that connection to nature. Like it just really like opened something up in me um, that I didn't have before. And so that's something I do. Um, now I, I do it as a business, but it's something that I really enjoy doing. So I think for me, having a creative outlet, it's really important. Um, Having some kind of physical outlet, I'm not an athletic person. I've never been an athletic or like physical activity person, but even just going for walks, um, especially in this pandemic, like you don't realize like how much staying in the house all day <laughs> impacts you until you get outside and you're like, oh, I needed this. <laughs> um, so that, you know, those are things that have been helpful for me. Um, my cat is also a great... <laughs> companion and she makes me happy um but I think like in general um some of the things that I would maybe recommend to someone in general for um preventing burnout I think one thing is like you you mentioned about um taking care of yourself before you're exhausted um so like not waiting for those moments of burnout to be like I should probably be taking care of myself but incorporating little practices that are um that are easy for you to do, you know, daily or weekly. Um, so for me, that was like taking walks, you know, having a creative outlet, um, spending time with my cat and my partner and, you know, um, having those things. Um, so that when you do burn out, you're not like, what do I do? Like, I don't know how to come down from this. Like if you're practicing something every day, um, yoga, meditation, whatever it is for you, um, tea, etc. I think another thing that we've kind of talked about a little bit is like setting those boundaries. Like it's okay to um, make time for caring for people and like, let that be the time. Like, okay, I'm going to um, check in with this person on this day or, um, you know, even at, even at work is something I didn't know I could do until I was like older in my career. Like, you can say no to things. You can tell your boss, like, actually, that's not a, I can't do that, that by this day, or like, um, I can do this project, but then I would have to put this on hold or, you know, having those like negotiating, negotiating skills. Um, so you don't have to just take everything on and, 
overwork yourself. And obviously, you know, everyone has a different work culture and job. And so it's not applicable to every single person. But for a lot of folks, I think um, there are things that we just don't know because either someone hasn't told us that we could do that or because we've never tried. Um, and so that's one of those things that I got better at doing um, was like working with my boss and saying like, no, that's, I can't do that right now, or I can do it, but it'll have to be next week or, you know, so that you're not like overworking yourself. Um, something that I just thought of that I was talking to a friend about recently was she was like, when you take care of yourself, it almost, it feels like it's like irresistible. Like it's like a, um, she's like, you know, I picture you just like, cozy like wrapped in a blanket with a cup of tea and like maybe a book and you're not you like you might not even be reading it but it's there and like you know just I think making this experience for yourself or feeling like when you practice self-care it's like almost sexy like mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like um you really feel like kind of luxurious even if it's really simple things um that'll make it more irresistible to do um so it doesn't feel like a like a chore like I have to you know run around the block or whatever like really I think when you take care of yourself it feels like you are restoring yourself you know mm -hmm. so those are just a few things um you know I think one more thing that's really helpful for me just because um it helps me with like my anxiety and stuff is like planning things um to do to look forward to um even if it's little simple things like I'll plan to like get a nice latte on Friday or you know whatever mm -hmm. um I'm gonna go to this park that it's like a little, it's like an hour away that I wouldn't normally go to, but now I'm looking forward to it. Or, um, you know, there's a lot of little, even in these times of, you know, pandemics and all other kinds of crises, like there are things that we can do um, to feel a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I love how you share different outlets in like different areas, because I very much agree with you that different maybe like different seasons and different situations require different outlets, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think it's like so important to have like different tools. Like, you know, I, I, in my case, like I did like pretty much all my life, I thought I didn't like exercising. And then it like, it turns out that I actually, I can already see like, my mental health really, really improves whenever I'm like spending a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. But then again, I also had to understand that there are seasons when even that tool that tends to work really, really well, there are seasons, let's say very much like you, I, I, my, my thing is anxiety as well. And um, <laughs> there are seasons where simply like, if I'm dealing with too much anxiety, I can have the same energy to go mm -hmm. to do like a super, you know, active hardcore workout. So in those cases, like, you know, to have different variations, like just going for walks or I love how you said, you know, it has, it, it can definitely be super simple because it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be fancy. Like today I actually like blow dry my hair and I was just like, when I was doing it, I was like, ah, it feels so good. Like, I don't always do it. I don't always, like, take the time. But it's, like, the day where, like, mm -hmm. it's happening. I'm, like, yay. And so, yeah, I think it's important to have a variety of 
of outlets. And I really love, um, I'm like, I was checking the Instagram for your, uh, for your flower business. So I'm like, how does it work? I'm like, can you deliver to Canada? (laughs) I can right now I'm doing dried florals. So those can be delivered um, in the, I'm right now, like I think North America, (laughs) because I don't know how much it costs to ship in other parts of the world, but um, yeah, definitely. Oh, okay, so it's dried. I love it. Okay, that mm-hmm. is very good to know. We will definitely put that in the in the show notes. Yes. And uh, <laughs> yeah, because I was like looking at some of the you did like one for like a February like a special mm-hmm. arrangement. That was so so nice. Thank you. So beautiful. Yeah. And yeah, what were you going to say? Sorry, I just wanted to add one thing because um, I think this is also important. I'm sure you'll agree around like when we think about um, just as like another example of kind of decolonizing um, healing and self-care, because I think sometimes there's, especially on Instagram and, you know, on the internet, you know, with influencers and everything, there's like this idea that like, you have to be good at self-care, or like it has to be, or like, it's gonna like really, I don't know. I think something that I've experienced sometimes, like you said, is that the things that help me feel restored don't work every single time. And they're not always like going to be the fix or um, it's not just about like, if I do these things, then I will be restored or I will be healed. Like there's sort of more, you know, nuance to it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so these are, these are kind of just tools that we have in our toolbox, right? Like anything else um, that you can, you can use if you feel certain ways and if you need to rest or whatever, but like sometimes you know, I feel like there's this, um, like people don't like it when you talk about like, you know, being on your phone or like watching TV, as like a form of self-care, but sometimes that's what you need. Like, it's okay if you don't want to like, you know, go for a hike and you just kind of need to like, you know, watch a YouTube video or something instead. So there's not like a, a right or wrong way or a perfect way to like, practice self-care I guess Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that is such an important nuance because yeah we get the idea I I I totally (laughs) I'm like I've had a lot of drama uh, with regards to you know (laughs) seeing what other people are doing and it's like being like should I should I go for more hikes though and it's like (laughs) and I mean I love going for for hikes but like you know one of the first things I always remember this, like the first time I went to therapy when my therapist was explaining to me why anything that comes, anything that's a should inside our heads just like feels horrible and it's always mm-hmm. going to like backfire. So I think it's always like, to me, that's like a measurement of whether an activity is the right one for that specific moment and time right. and place because you can hear it when you're like shooting yourself mm-hmm. or something and you're like like for example yesterday I, I I was doing a lot of like accounting and bookkeeping for for all the businesses and I I'm learning like a lot of new things and working mm-hmm. through, like the thoughts and feelings around numbers and so on and yesterday I was like like I think I need a bit of like a day off or maybe half a day off like we'll see and I'm like what would feel like restorative what would feel good and it was literally like checking random music videos on youtube and like tutorials on like Uh 
which I have a bass, but I never play it. It's always like in my hopes and dreams. But, but just like being in that energy of just like allowing myself to just not be super productive. And it's funny because after a couple hours, I was almost like looking forward to working. And I was, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, I had enough. And it's like, okay, let's do something, something else. So yeah, no perfectionism. Uh, required (laughs) um okay so maybe we gonna we can start wrapping things up to be Mm -hmm. respectful of each other's time and how are you working with people right now with your coaching practice like is there a way are you looking for clients is there a way that we can support you like tell us more about that yeah absolutely um so i am accepting new clients right now um Folks can get in touch with me through my website, I think is best. It's bloomwithalyssa.com. Alyssa's A-L-Y-S-S-A. You'll probably put it in the show notes. Yes. Um, So uh, yeah, you can go on my website. You can um, read a little bit more about my work and you can contact me through there, um, through email. Uh, You can also follow me on Instagram at Alyssa is magic because I'm magic. You're magic. We're all magic. Um, and you can, you can DM me through there as well. Uh, yeah, those are probably the two places that are the best way to reach me. Um, if you're interested in coaching, uh, I do, everything is virtual, so you can be pretty much anywhere. Um, and we do Zoom one-on-one coaching. Um, I also, on my website, I have a few uh, pre-recorded courses that I've offered. So every now and then I'll offer um some live courses that you can take. Um, but yeah, those are the two things. And then my floral business, if you're interested, if you're not interested in coaching and you just want like nice things for your apartment or your house, um, I, yeah, it's a little Cosmia um, on Instagram. And I do like once a month, I'll, I have um, dried floral arrangements that you can uh, purchase and I ship uh, throughout North America, I think. I just decided that right now. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> Perfect. I love that. Thank you so, so much for sharing, Alisa. I definitely want to keep in touch. This yeah. has been such an amazing conversation. So yes, we will um, have all those links in the in the show notes. And Great. thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, I definitely look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're interested in learning how coaching can help you navigate career changes and achieve a better work-life balance, then make sure you check out my website at soniaortiz.com. You'll have all the information on how we can work together. Talk to you soon.